Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. So, as Canadians, uh, we're all now, we're about to be proud owners of this pipeline project. And I guess we'll feel a lot better about that if and when this project gets completed. We'll certainly be a more valuable asset at that point if this pipeline doesn't happen. And make no mistake, there are still those forces uh, that are going to do everything they can to make sure that doesn't happen. Well, then we got a big problem on our hands. Because there's the cost of this project failing, the cost to, to investment in this country, the cost to our economy. And then there would be the financial cost of all the money that the federal government is about to sink into this. On the hope, on the premise that it becomes a saleable, valuable asset at some point in the not too distant future. So we're in kind of uncharted territory here, at least in terms of pipelines are concerned. I guess we can point to all kinds of examples where governments have stepped in to take ownership of certain industries or companies or projects, like the auto sector bailout, for example. So how nervous should we be? And is the federal government potentially getting a a good deal here? what they're buying. Joining us for some thoughts on today's dramatic developments, pleased to welcome back to the program Trevor Toome, uh, Associate Professor of Economics, University of Calgary, Research Fellow as well at the School of Public Policy at the U of C. Trevor, thanks so much for joining us here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, so, I mean, just your initial impressions, first of all, that, that it got to this point and ha- how unprecedented this is. Yeah, I, I was a little surprised to wake up and hear the news that the federal government is going to be buying outright, not just the Transmountain expansion, but also the existing pipeline and all the assets that go with it. I was expecting something more along the lines of uh, indemnity or de-risking, some kind of maybe loan guarantee or insurance arrangement between the federal government and Kinder Morgan, but um, here we are. Uh, $4.5 billion, though, uh, my initial thoughts there is that that seems to be the right price. I look at the Kinder Morgan stock prices, for example, both Kinder Morgan Canada and the parent company. Kinder Morgan Canada is down today 2%. Uh, the parent company is up a little bit, uh, so that tells me that the market really thinks that this is about the right price. It is not us buying assets for um, more than their actual worth. Right, but it's it's kind of like when an NHL team makes a trade for a free agent right before free agency. So, yeah, you've got the asset, but now you've got to get him signed to a new contract, and that's a big if, right? So, I mean, yeah, we've kind of bought the right to be the the pipeline owner but we don't yet have the project built no that that's right and the value of the current pipeline is not 4.5 billion uh there's been a lot of money already put down to build the expansion uh, rbc i think today released what they estimate just the current pipeline to be worth and it's worth about 2.3 billion uh for context but yeah the, the risk here is completing the project uh, getting it over the finish line, you know, on time and on budget. If you can do that, then these assets are extremely valuable, and I'm 
quite confident that the federal government would be able to find a private buyer. The risk is not overcoming the regulatory and political hurdles that the BC government and various municipalities, for example, have put up in the face of the project. Uh, the feds, though, hold all the constitutional cards here, and so the risks facing the federal government are much, much lower than the risks facing Kinder Morgan. Well, I mean, yeah, there's some some legal questions here. Obviously, BC's premier says nothing changes for them as far as they're concerned in their court challenge. But does it change the dynamic? You think that now it's it's the federal government they're dealing with and and not not a private company? I, I think it does in that it makes the words that this pipeline will be built, which is something we've heard again and again for months now, very credible. Uh, the government has basically put down uh, a lot of money where its mouth is. And now I think the level of certainty over whether this pipeline will be completed or not is much higher today than it was yesterday. Uh, I think the risk, though, is still in terms of how long it takes and for what price or what construction costs we actually have at the end of the day. You know, that's where the focus, I think, should turn now in terms of task taxpayer risks, but if it's completed over a similar timeline that Kinder Morgan was expecting for similar costs, um, uh, then there's not a lot of risk to taxpayers. Where it can change the dynamic is it creates some new tools for the federal government that they didn't have before. Uh, Even today, we're hearing stories of various First Nations communities in British Columbia, for example, expressing an interest in purchasing their own stake in this now public endeavor. Uh, that is kind of an interesting option that really wasn't there when the project was a Kinder Morgan project and might be a way for the feds to, I guess, make the economic benefits of the project a little bit more visible, spread it in a way that might help overcome some of the political challenges. So best case scenario here, What, what, what do you think is the best case scenario, first of all? Yeah, I don't see the feds being able to find a private buyer for the project until it's built. I mean, any private company is going to look at it and see the same risks that Kinder Morgan did in terms of um, a BC government and various municipalities that are hostile to the project. I think the feds will need to build it. um, And the best case scenario is that they build it over a similar timeline for similar costs as Kinder Morgan was planning. And then once it's complete, they would then be able to offload the assets to a private company that I think would be very happy to pay for it because all the difficult parts are over. And now it's just a boring regulated asset that has a basically guaranteed rate of return on it. Right. Well, I mean, the finance minister today even raised the prospect that between now and August, there could be another company step forward to to take over this asset. And then that would still leave that company to do a lot of the difficult work. Does that seem a lot less likely to you? Yeah, that doesn't seem likely at all to me. And of course, I could be wrong. And I guess it would be good if I was wrong, but I don't see how that's realistic. What the finance minister, I think, is referring to is that Kinder Morgan has agreed to help the government try to find a buyer between now and near the end of July. Um, But I I don't see why another company would jump in so quickly into such a a hot political area right now. There's just too much risk. Risks that the feds don't face in the same way that a private company does, because they are, at the end of the day, the jurisdiction that has all the, the legal cards. 
Now, previously, I mean, this was Kinder Morgan's project. I guess it was their business, what they were going to have to pay to get a bill. Now, I guess that becomes our business. So we get back to that $4.5 billion, what we're getting for that. And now moving forward, what more we might have to spend uh, around construction or whatever else comes along the way. So Kinder Morgan was estimating the cost to be almost $7.5 billion. And they've spent to date, I believe, $1.1 or $1.2. So we're looking at 6 to $6.5 billion in additional construction spending just using Kinder Morgan's um, construction cost estimates. Uh, so that, that's a lot. And of course, any construction project at this scale, um, you know, that number can change between now and the end. I don't see it necessarily coming at the expense of taxpayers, although it could. Uh, it may, if these are just kind of regular routine cost overruns, they would be built into the, the base of the pipeline itself and passed through to the oil and gas companies that ship barrels on the pipeline. Uh, A a unique aspect of this deal, and the details are still being worked out, is the Alberta government is also involved and committed to help out in the event of certain unexpected cost overruns, um, up to $2 billion, as I believe what the number uh, they mentioned today. So federally or Canadian taxpayers generally may be less exposed to these unexpected cost overruns than Alberta. But even in the event that Alberta contributes money, it's going to do so in exchange for equity stakes in the project that would then allow them to recoup any of the money uh, put in. So there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of complicated interrelationships here. But um, at the end of the day, if the pipeline is built, uh, then these assets are very valuable. Now, we can look at, at previous examples uh, of government involvement in the private sector, uh, government ownership of, of companies, government bailouts of companies. I mean, there was the auto bailout, Bombardier. You pointed out today on Twitter that uh, reminded that Alberta owns a bank yeah, uh, what is as that an example. About? So wh- where, where does this fit in then when we look at those other examples? Right. So governments are involved in all sorts of entities. So, yeah, we own a bank. Uh, no other province does. I'm not sure what the rationale for it is, but, hey, there it is. Um, pipelines, we look at Saskatchewan. They own 14,000 kilometers of natural gas pipelines, for example. So the, the Transgas Pipeline Network is government-owned. Um, the, sorry, the Trans Mountain Pipeline itself, back in 1951, was created by a special act of uh, the Parliament of Canada. So government involvement in energy is, is nothing new. I could... Uh, Syncrude, Hibernia, there's lots of examples. Government-owned enterprises in Canada today have assets of about a trillion dollars, and that's not including all the pension fund assets. That's just the the assets of all the different crown corporations, the provinces and the feds um, are involved in. So I don't see this as any kind of change fundamentally in, in how we approach the oil and gas sector in Canada. I think the government is making the best of a bad situation here and was quite clear that they don't view this as ideal and they want to find a private buyer. But because the pipeline's in the national interest and they want it built, it was um, looking at taking on the project or, or letting the project fail. And so here we are. Is it comparable as well, if we want to look within the oil and gas realm, is it comparable to the Alberta government backstopping uh, the, the Sturgeon refinery? So uh, I think it's a little different. And I'll contrasted as well with support to Bombardier or support to the auto sector uh, or support to the Sturgeon refineries. These are 
subsidies in the sense that it's government providing financial support to companies to overcome market risk or overcome competition that they face. Here, I see the federal government becoming involved because a provincial government is putting up regulatory and political barriers. And so this is not market risk. It's kind of government-created risk. Um, and to the extent that the feds can overcome that risk, it's, it's not the same as providing a subsidy to Bombardier or to a refinery or to an auto manufacturer. What do you make of, of the argument then, though, that this, this sends a concerning message about these kinds of projects and how they get built and, and creating some kind of investor confidence in Canada? Do you, do you think this has a, a negative impact? So it, it's not as though anyone yesterday was under the impression that building a pipeline is easy and doesn't come with a whole host of political and um, other risks. Right? Pipelines, for whatever reason, are these unique, symbolic projects that provide, a, 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 I guess, a rallying cry to a lot of opponents for a lot of reasons, some legitimate reasons and some less so. And uh, I don't think anyone's looking now at pipelines and saying, oh, my goodness, pipelines were this great investment idea before, no hurdles whatsoever, but now, oh, now with the Canadian government getting involved, I'm not going to invest in that other pipeline I was hoping to. So I, I think we, don't, we, we shouldn't overgeneralize from the experience of the Trans Mountain Pipeline Project. I think we should focus on the feds clearly doing what needs to be done to build it. Um, and given that it's in the national interest, and in particular Alberta's interest, right. that's a good thing. Now, we heard today from John Horgan. I mean, he says this is very specifically uh, about coastline and bitumen, and that's his main issue. Obviously, and you alluded to it, that uh, for a lot of opponents of this pipeline, that it's about uh, climate change and climate policy, and they've made pipelines kind of their hill to die on here. And this is something you've addressed specifically, that, that, that this shouldn't be a focus, that if we're concerned about having meaningful climate policy, we, we need to look beyond you know, the pipeline debate. Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't agree with that more. Uh, if we look to what animates a lot of opposition to infrastructure projects like this pipeline, we see most of the signs say things along the lines of climate leaders don't build pipelines, you know, for example. So it's, it's that climate change concern that's really this overarching issue for many uh, of the protesters. And it's really just not a good way to address emissions. If we don't supply the oil here, it will be supplied by others elsewhere or supplied through higher cost, high emitting transport modes like rail. Um, and so in some previous work, I think about what's the cost um, per ton of emissions that we don't emit if we block all the pipelines for Alberta. So it's true we'll produce less oil uh, because it'll be more difficult to get that oil out more costly, so investment will fall, and the differential will grow. So the foregone earnings, the foregone economic activity from having no new pipelines is roughly between $1,500 and $2,000 per ton of greenhouse gases that we, that we avoid emitting. So that's that's a phenomenal cost. So blocking pipelines is a terrible way to address climate concerns. We should do so with efficient policies, uh, market-based policies, not that kind of top-down command and control stuff. And, and that's not to say that there aren't legitimate issues with pipelines like spill risk and land issues. And that's why we have a regulator like the National Energy Board right. to go through that detail and 
um, make the appropriate decisions, which it which it did. Indeed. All right. Well, Trevor, appreciate the insight as always. Uh, thanks for making some time for us here today. You bet. Thank Very you. much appreciate it. Take care. Trevor Toome, uh, economist at the University of Calgary Research Fellow with the School of Public Policy, policyschool.ca. Some interesting thoughts from him on where we go from here. And I guess what we need to hope for at this point. Because this was, in terms of the two stark choices maybe we'd backed ourselves into, the least worst. But obviously, under no circumstances would anybody say this was an ideal situation, unless you're a really big fan of government ownership. And I'm sure there's probably a few people in Alberta, maybe you could point to, that like this idea. But I think most people shouldn't or wouldn't. And that's kind of the reaction we're getting from industry, is that, well, this is not ideal, but yeah, okay, at least the project is going forward, and that's good. So there's that. Our number here, 403-974-8255, 974-TALK. We've got more time for your calls coming up. Uh, As mentioned, coming up in probably a little over an hour, we will have an opportunity to share with you some of the prime minister's comments today. He's chosen, for whatever reason, uh, to sit down with Bloomberg News today. And so Bloomberg News is going to have first dibs on that. They're going to have their little embargo. Then they'll release it to the rest of the media. Would have been a lot simpler if the prime minister had simply been the guy at the podium this morning making this announcement anyway. So we'll have that for you probably around 2.40 or 2.45 this afternoon. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge starting at 12.30 on News Talk 770 Calgary.